Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. A special podcast for you this Christmas as we review the year in Welsh rugby. As always, it's been an eventful year. We've had Welsh regions flourishing in Europe and then subsequently not flourishing, a rejuvenated run for the national team with new faces on the pitch, while also saying goodbye to some of our all-time favourites. Before we get underway, thanks to our sponsors this year. Firstly, So Coffee Trades. Uh, They've backed us all through this year and it's great to see them grow as a business. And uh, finally, a thanks to MSG Tours, our latest partners. And if you're thinking of going to Japan for Rugby World Cup next year, then take a look at our pinned tweet for details on how to do it in the best way. Just for inquiring with them, you could be entered into a draw for tickets to Wales versus England in the summer. All of those details are on at Attacking Scrum on Twitter. So sit back and enjoy the Attacking Scrum's Guide to 2018. January. Steve Tandy leaving the Ospreys was the first big story of the year. Sacked after a miserable start to the season, he spent six years in charge of the Ospreys and seen them through a period of transition, the post-Galactico era. The trophies of the past seemed a long way away and the Ospreys decided it was time for someone else to steer the ship. The man who would eventually take the helm was Alan Clark. Meanwhile, on the other side of the lucker, Scarlets were on an amazing run. After a disappointing start to their European campaign, they headed into the wreck to take on Bath. What followed was a scintillating performance of running rugby, matched by an electric atmosphere. Wide it goes. The 
The Scarlet's continued rise under Wayne Pivak has certainly caught the eyes of many. Will it catch those of the WRU's head honchos? Rhys Webb was ruled out of the Six Nations, leading us to wonder whether we'd ever see him again in a Welsh shirt. So much had been said over the controversial national selection policy that we don't need to relive all that again. But what I will say is this, as a fan, I sincerely hope it's not the end of Webby in a Wales jersey. It's a great sight, a much better sight than those Instagram pictures of him and his budgie smugglers. Oh, well worked as well, and Webb straight down the middle, Reese Webb, he's going to score another one, and Reese Webb scores a try. February. February is always one of the most eagerly anticipated months of the year. The optimism of another Six Nations campaign was around the corner and Wales didn't disappoint in their opener. Rhys Patchell put in a stunning performance to help demolish Scotland in Cardiff, pulling the strings at 10 while the pack completely nullified the Scottish back row. Lee Halfpenny also returned to try scoring form, crossing the whitewash for the first time in five years for the national side. With it starting to put to bed the speculation over who should play at fullback. Then it was on to Twickenham to face the old enemy. Eddie Jones was in mischievous mood, looking to stir up a war of words ahead of the big clash targeting Rhys Patchell as a potential weak link. As it happened, the game was largely remembered for the actions of a TMO. Glenn Newman decided that Anthony Watson had reached the ball before Gareth Anscombe, therefore not awarding the try. Despite having other chances to win the game in the second half, Wales walked away empty-handed. World Rugby would later confirm that the decision was wrong, but that was some consolation. No time for self-pity though, as a tough trip to Dublin beckoned. Despite being overpowered for large chunks of the game, Wales found themselves in contention in the dying minutes. Despite the brave fight back, a long miss pass from Gareth Anscombe was picked off by Jacob Stockdale for the Irishman, and they ran out winners. That would, however, be Wales' last defeat of the year. Hard to believe that after that disappointing loss, but there was some real momentum to be built later in 2018. March. March started with sad news as Ospreys winger Eli Walker was forced to retire aged just 25. An exciting player with pace to burn, sadly his career was dogged by injuries. It looked at one stage as though we'd never see him in a Welsh shirt after a cruel run of setbacks, including one particularly horrible moment in 2013 when he'd been named to play against South Africa. Ready to make his debut, he was ruled out with just a couple of days' notice due to a hamstring injury. A bitter twist of fate that seemed to sum up his luck. We did eventually see him play for Wales ahead of the 2015 Rugby World Cup, but you couldn't help but wonder what might have been for the Swansea Flyer. Eli Walker. Oh, he's gone through the gap. Walker again. 
Off the pitch, it was announced that the BBC had lost the rights to show Pro 14 Rugby, with Premier Sports later announced as the lead broadcaster. A little-known channel, behind a paywall, many feared this might be the beginning of the end for the league. But this is Welsh rugby, and we're prone to hyperbole at times. The initial coverage on Premier Sport has been pretty good, but the marketing of the league, the dilemma of how to attract a new audience and how to generate more money are all subjects that will no doubt rumble on into 2019. Next up, it was all changed for the Italy game. Gatlin made 10 changes for the clash against the Italians, and it mattered very little, as Wales ran out pretty comfortable winners. France was the final fixture of the campaign, and one that will serve only as a footnote in the history of the Six Nations. A drab, dead rubber of a game that Wales narrowly won. More concerningly, the atmosphere inside the ground was one of the worst I'd experienced in Cardiff. Admittedly, the game did nothing much to lift this, but the conundrum of monetising the internationals versus pricing out the traditional rugby fan is a difficult and ongoing one. I'm not sure if I've got the answer, but I'd love to see a terrace with a singing section. You'll excuse me for over-romanticising. It is Christmas. April. April saw two attacking scrum specials with Phil Steele and David Bishop, two players with contrasting but equally fascinating stories. Steely is the lovable man for all seasons, seen up and down touchlines all across rugby grounds in Wales. A man also who struggled with terrible bouts of depression, and his willingness and openness to talk about such things was a breath of fresh air, and above all, something that men just aren't very good at. Uh, and of course, in those days, you couldn't you couldn't say you were suicidal. If, you, if I'd have gone over to Newport and said to the boys at Newport, I'm feeling suicidal, I can't train tonight, boys, why not? Well, I've got depression, I'm a bit yeah. suicidal. The answer would have been, Steely, what size boots are you? Are you 10? I'll, I'll have your boots if you top yourself. It was that sort of male, sort of dominating humour. And, um, and that, that first bout of depression, which I didn't get treated for, kept... Got better by itself, and I got got married and everything. But I was left with real bad anxiety and ang- real bad anxiety state. And I'm talking about in rugby terms. I'm talking about having a panic attack if I was asked to kick a goal. Um, I remember having a panic attack before going out to play for Newport at Abervale in front of eight thousand people. And as Glenn George, our captain, is going through the team talk, and used to warm up in the change rooms in those days. All I could think about was, is that door going to open? I'm claustrophobic in here, you know. So. Um, so that's that's how it hit me. Two uh, two further about them. One in 1991, one in 1997. Until I started taking a, I found an, an antidepressant mm-hmm. drug that, that sort of suited me, and uh, and I've been pretty well. Bish, on the other hand, was the bad boy of rugby with an unbelievable talent. His tale of run-ins with the law, breaking his neck and being one of the most controversial figures in 80s Welsh rugby was not one for the faint-hearted. But it proved to be the most popular podcast we've ever done, even if a fire alarm and many other things tried to disrupt it. Seems like there's still never a dull moment when Bish is around. Wales play England. Shulip gets his jaw broken by Wade Dooley in front of millions and 75,000 at the park, right? What happened to him? Nothing. He broke his cheekbone, his jaw, and everything. Yeah, right? Wade Dooley had a one-game suspension. No, we're talking about copy here. Yeah. In front of the National Stadium, in front live of millions, live yeah. on TV. Used to, what happened to me is unprecedented, never happened before, and never happened since. Why? 
The end of the month saw Scarlett's European run come to an end. A trip to Lansdowne Road to take on Leinster, proving too much for the Westwalians. Regardless of the result, it had been a run which defied the odds. A Welsh side with much less funding and playing some electric rugby had certainly been a breath of fresh air, even if it hadn't resulted in a win. Meanwhile, Cardiff Blues won their semi-final and booked a place in the Challenge Cup final, this time taking place in Bilbao. Cardiff really seemed to find their feet at the end of the season, unveiling a talented crop of youngsters, including Thomas Williams, Owen Lane and Seb Davis, just to name a few. And really, they were starting to punch well above their weight. A month later, they would lift the trophy in a thrilling victory against Gloucester. And it just makes you wonder how much of a loss Danny Wilson was going to be for the region. May. May saw plenty of transferring and outs. George North was announced that he would make his return to Wales with the Ospreys. While the Dragons had been very busy strengthening their squad, Ross Moriarty and Richard Hibbard becoming the latest to join the Rodney Revolution. On the pitch, it was a similar story for the Scarlets in the Pro 14 final, outgunned by an all-conquering Leinster side. No disgrace in that. In fact, watching Leinster all season, one started to wonder if anyone could cope with their firepower. June. In June, attention turned to the summer tour of the United States and Argentina. And after a scrappy victory over SA in DC, Wales' youngsters really impressed by whitewashing the Pumas. The likes of James Davis, Ellis Jenkins, Dylan Lewis and Adam Beard really led us to believe that Wales had finally developed the strength and depth we were looking for. Elsewhere, Peter Thomas stepped down as Cardiff Blues' top man. A sometimes controversial figure, Thomas wasn't always universally loved, but there's no doubting the money he put into rugby in Cardiff. And once again, our thoughts turned to funding the regions. The C word, commercial. July. July is normally a quiet month for rugby, the off-season. And you'd be forgiven for focusing your attention elsewhere on what was happening in France as Geraint Thomas was carving his way into sporting history by becoming the first Welsh winner of the Tour de France. However, it was his fellow ex-Whitchurch colleague, Sam Warburton, who announced his retirement from the game that brought our attention back to rugby. Despite being aged only 29, Warburton is right up there in the pantheon of Welsh greats. His professionalism and lead-from-the-front mentality has been something that has steered Wales to modern-day success. Likewise, leading two Lions tours, winning one and drawing the other in New Zealand. Stuart Barnes might not have agreed, claiming Warburton was not a great and had a limited handling ability, but he was very much in the minority. Dioch Warby. Sam Warburton waves, defenders his way, but English should have the overlap. Tuilangi, what, what a, a tackle. tackle by Sam Warburton. What a tackle on Tuilangi. And he looked... August. In August, we caught up with another professional for another attacking scrum special. This time, Osprey's centre Ben John, a man who decided to take a year out of rugby to concentrate on his health. After numerous concussions, Ben headed to London to become a personal trainer. Sadly, it's an all too familiar story and something that rugby needs to address but hopefully we're moving in the right direction. 
sunglasses, that type of thing. Um, I, I think I read somewhere as well that one occasion you were wearing sunglasses at night while driving because the glare from the other cars was yeah, so much. Yeah, that's it. I struggle a lot with LED lights, especially um, yeah, cars and as well, even uh, the stadium lights as well. They were, especially Liberty, they use LED and they were so bright. Um, there's a few times where I... I, I was starting to play and I was just I had to ask the guys around me just to make sure it wasn't just me and the light bright and that, that type of thing so that was yeah when at that point I realised like it's not right September the new season got underway with new coaches at the Ospreys and Cardiff Blues and it was time to deliver on the pitch for the Dragons after lots of talking first up they faced Benetton but a home defeat to the Italians set a worrying precedent and piled even more pressure on head coach Bernard Jackman, something that would return on a pretty much weekly basis. Here we go. This is going to go out of play. And the green shirts hug each other. The Dragons wearing black and red. Their heads droop. Many of them drop to the floor. October. European rugby got underway and last year's semi-finalists struggled in their opening encounter. Scarlet's losing at the death to Racing 92. A strange game that featured the rarest of things, easy missed kicks from Lee Halfpenny. Cardiff Blues, on the other hand, lit up the opening round with a great away win at Lyon, including a remarkable solo try from Gareth Anscombe. A timely reminder to Warren Gatland and co that he very much had his eyes on the Wales jersey. Regardless of where he was playing for Cardiff, his sights were firmly fixed on the fabled red number 10 shirt. When Gats did name his squad for the autumn, there were more than a few shocks in there. Most notably, Ospreys flyer Luke Morgan and Leicester fullback Jonah Holmes. There were quite a few who weren't sure who Holmes was when he was named, and even fewer who realised that he could play for Wales. The same week, he got to lock horns with many of his future Welsh teammates as Leicester took on the Scarlets. Yet again, the Clanetley side came up short and they would have it all to do if they were going to get out of the groups this year. Cardiff Blues and Glasgow took to the field in kits that were virtually indistinguishable. Quite how both sides ended up wearing light blue in the highest competition of European club rugby is a bit of a mystery. But after a disappointing home defeat to the Warriors, the mood was more blue than the jerseys on display at the Cardiff Arms Park. Just before the month could end, it was time for another old favourite to say goodbye. Having defied doctors, critics and on the odd occasion logic, Gethin Jenkins announced he was to hang up his boots. Five Lions caps, four Six Nations titles, two European Cups and 129 Wales caps, giving us a lifetime of memories. But maybe one memory that will outlive all the others. Ripping work there. O'Gara, down towards that corner, Gethin Jenkins, he's... And he is very, very quick for a front row forward. And he's not a bad footballer Look either. That. Not 
November. There was the odd thing missing from Mellon's CV. It would have been a few more wins against Southern Hemisphere opposition for Wales. But there was momentum building and a sense of optimism that suggested this year could be the time for the current crop to get a few scalps of their own against our counterparts from the other side of the equator. But first, a clash against our Celtic cousin Scotland for the first Doddy Weir Cup. The week was dominated by critical headlines directed at both unions for not donating to Doddy's motor neurone disease charity. Journalists, ex-players and fans alike were quick to voice their concern. Fortunately, common sense and decency prevailed. On the pitch, Scotland rolled into town not short of confidence themselves. Playing an exciting brand of rugby, they had high hopes. We're not used to playing the Scots in the autumn, but despite the unusual time of year, the result was the one we'd come to expect. Alan Jones down to Gareth Davis. Hadley Parks. And scum Jonathan Davis. Hand up. Jonathan Davis returns to rugby with a score. Scotland now winless in Cardiff since 2002. And it was tries from Jonathan Davis and George North that got the crowd up off their feet. But the biggest cheer of the day was reserved for the man with his name on the trophy. A man who is universally liked by both sets of fans and pretty much all fans of rugby. In fact, a man who epitomises the spirit of rugby, but is facing a battle tougher than any on-pitch encounter. A cruel disease, but one that Doddy refuses to be defined by. Well, that's quite a big emotion. I would love this trophy to be taken back to Scotland and to drink out of it, but I would also... <laughs> but I would also be delighted if the Welsh won it so I could drink out of there as well. <laughs> Next up, Australia. How many times have we headed into the last 10 minutes against the Wallabies only to have our hopes boomeranged? Well, not this time. May not have been pretty, but there was plenty of guts on display. Dan Bigger emerged from an unfamiliar role off the bench to slot the winning kick. Ten years of agony against the Aussies banished. Was this the victory Wales needed to banish their Southern Hemisphere hoodoo? It's your fellow, very neatly played, infield to Maddox. of margins. Wales at last have beaten Australia by nine points to six. A tougher test against South Africa would follow, but first up the Tongans. As has become tradition, Gatland made wholesale changes, but unlike previous years, the result was more than conclusive. With Wales blowing the Islanders away in the second half, thanks to some scintillating tries from Rhys Patchell and Alec Davis. On then to the Springboks, and a chance for a first ever autumn clean sweep. Selection dilemmas on the day though, as a rejuvenated Dan Lydiot was ruled out thanks to injury. Step forward Ellis Jenkins to fill the number 6 shirt. But just 10 minutes into the game, and he's already moved to number 8 to deputise for a concussed Ross Moriarty. Jenkins though took it all in his stride as he put in a man of the match performance. Wales running out 20 points to 11 winners, courtesy of tries from Liam Williams and Tom Francis. 
This time South Africa don't commit to the breakdown. Ellis Jenkins, dummy by the replacement, Tom Francis for the line. The prop scores for Wales, his first try for Wales. Well, the break came from Ellis Jenkins and the support from a prop, so he didn't think the weaknesses would, uh, would happen right in the middle of the South African defence, but pressure, patience, and it paid off. Undefeated at home in 2018 and nine wins on the spin. All building nicely ahead of Rugby World Cup 2019, if not a little under the radar. But that's when we tend to play at our best. Sadly though, there was a bittersweet note to end on. Ellis Jenkins finished the game on a stretcher and needing oxygen. A fitness race awaits for the Blues man if he's going to get himself ready for the Rugby World Cup. A reminder of how cruel this sport can be. December. The end of the year was in sight, but it was the end of the road for Bernard Jackman. A hammering at home to Leinster's second string was the final nail in the coffin for the Dragons coach. The first coach of the region under WRU rule, and for all the positive work off the pitch, there was very little to cheer on it. While the search for a new coach started, it was pretty clear that this time the Dragons had to get it right. In Europe, Scarlets and Cardiff Blues were condemned to early exits. Ulster and Saracens inflicting the killer blows, but not before we were treated to a sparkling individual effort from Matthew Morgan. And Farrell is reduced to kicking. Straight down the throat of Matthew Morgan. Maitland hurtling up, but now it's Morgan hurtling forwards and he's a lovely, balanced, speedy runner. So many options for Matthew Morgan, shaking off the defenders and scoring a wonderful European try. What a try. That is an unbelievable try. That... If you're going to kick on well, Matthew Morgan, it has to be kick to compete. It's got to be a kick to compete because you give this guy space. He is absolutely ruthless in, in, in open play. In the traditional festive derbies were moved out of their Boxing Day slots, but were as full-blooded as ever. Dragons headed into the capital to try and restore some pride to their supporters after arguably the worst year in their history. The result was a blood and guts affair in a horrendous South Wales reign, with Dragons almost running out unexpected winners. But as it was, a controversial Gareth Anscombe penalty was enough to sneak it for the Blues. Here we go, the last kick. This to win the derby. Gareth Anscombe wins it for the Blues with that last kick but how well the Dragons fought and yeah, that is the relief of the Blues they have beaten their old rivals from Newport just to the east by 19 points to 16 it might have been raining but were there signs that the clouds were parting for the men of Gwent Scarlets took on the Ospreys for Lockerestry bragging rights the Swansea outfit fancying their chances and the poor form of their neighbours was starting to look like more than just a blip. As it transpires, the Ospreys did take the victory, courtesy of an opportunistic Luke Morgan try. He may have only been playing 15 for a few months, but he certainly excited us during that time. The other side of Christmas, and Scarlet's had a chance to avenge that defeat at home to the Cardiff Blues, but what happened was as far away from redemption as imaginable. 
the Blues putting the West Australians to the sword, picking up a bonus point in the process of a 34 points to 5 victory. A dismal end to the year for the Scarlets as they were booed off the pitch, giving them more than just an ongoing injury crisis to worry about in 2019. The last Pro 14 game of the year was in Newport, the scene of not much excitement for the home fans this year. But Dragons certainly gave their supporters something to cheer about ahead of the new year. A sensational try from Jared Rosser and a trademark Elliot D pushover gave them a commanding position against the Ospreys. But in almost a repeat of the previous week, they stood with everything to lose thanks to a late penalty. This time Sam Davis was the man tasked with the honours. Unfortunately for him, but fortunately for the Dragons, he sliced it wide to give the Menegwent their first derby victory since 2014. Twenty nineteen. What a year it's been, and so much more to come in 2019. Six Nations, the conclusion of another Pro 14 season, new coaches at international and regional level, and, above all, in less than nine months, the ninth Rugby World Cup begins. Will it be Wales's year this time? We'll have to wait and see. But we'll be with you here for all of this on the Attacking Scrum. Thanks for listening in 2018, and here's to another cracker in 2019. Podcast Network.